Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and today I have a really amazing conversation with sociologist and intimacy coach, Jennifer Gonzalez, PhD. She's the author of the new book, From Madness to Mindfulness, Reinventing Sex for Women. Dr. Jen is a national speaker on sexual consent, couples intimacy, women's empowerment, gender communication, erotic play, and mindful sex. She has presented two TED Talks and is an expert in the documentary on masturbation called Sticky, a self-love story. Dr. Jen is also the co-host of the podcast, Sex Talk with Clint and the Doc through iHeartRadio. And if you like adult sex education videos, she has over 1.5 million hits on her In the Den with Dr. Jen YouTube video series. So you'll definitely want to check that out. Hey, Dr. Jen, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today. My pleasure. I'm excited to see where we go with this conversation. Yeah. We, um, tell me about how you are re-envisioning sex for women. I'm super curious. I know you have a book all about this. And so yeah. I'm really curious about your vision. So let's just start right there. Yeah. I even take it to the point of calling it reinventing sex for women, a bold statement like that. So I'm a, a sociologist by education. So that's, you know, and part of my specialty area is looking at how we all from birth generally are assigned either male or female at birth. And then are treated differently um, than on with a whole bunch of expectations of what it means to be male and masculine and what it means to be female and feminine. Uh, you know, when you look at that in the big picture, so much around women's sexuality and our bodies, we learn negative things about, or we learn to judge ourselves. Uh, we learn to view our body as the enemy. Uh, we often are taught to have a lot of shame and embarrassment around sex and our bodily functions. And we aren't taught that our desire and pleasure are normal um, mm -hmm. or how to achieve those things. Um, and so in so many different um, ways, um, as women, we are taught a rather, you know, quote unquote, dysfunctional relationship with our own bodies and our own sex lives. Um, and then as adults, we're supposed to you know, flip a switch and have this passionate, amazing, you know, connected sex life with one person for the rest of your life. Like this just amazing, amazingly ridiculous <laughs> uh, Hollywood uh, romanticized notion of love and sex. And um, we just, we don't, we don't work that way. And especially when you've been programmed with so many sex negative messages mm -hmm. um, that we internalize in all different ways. So that is, you know, my, the title of my book is from madness to mindfulness. That's the madness I'm talking about, you know, so many of these messages uh, that we're taught and we internalize. And then, and then we think there's something wrong with us as adults or that we can't have the type of emotional intimacy or vulnerability that we most want or um, sexual pleasure or connection or orgasms or, or desire or any of it. And then we think there's something wrong or broken with us instead of realizing hey, this is the society we've been raised in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that's what I'm, I'm giving women permission to explore this in new ways um, and to be really kind to themselves and compassionate in the process of exploring this. And then I, I help them explore it through what I call applied mindfulness skills. And I know you talk a little bit about mindful sex. Can you yeah. like explain what that concept is and, and how somebody may engage in sex mindfully? So there's a couple different components of how I approach um, mindfulness and sex together and merge them. One is what I was just talking about of looking at our um, childhood messages and early sexual experiences and how we may have, um, you know, written our sexual stories or someone else wrote our sexual stories for us in a way that's not serving us um, as adults and to have the type of sexual and emotional intimacy we most want. So I teach mindfulness skills of teaching folks how to, how to, um, how to kind of mine through their, their childhood and those messages and what still lives in them and what is not, what is, um, you know, not serving their higher purpose and not, you know, and, and insulting their soul um, and teaching them mindfulness skills. Of how do you sit with the discomfort of those messages, of that shame, that embarrassment, that confusion, um, and how to stay present with that discomfort instead of lashing out or running from it or numbing yourself or distracting yourself? And how do you stay with that? Um, in a conversation or, or even just with yourself. Um, and so that's one application of mindfulness, of actually mindfully looking at your messages that you still carry that are, that are getting in the way of you having the intimacy that you want. Um, it's also that same approach is also applicable um, specifically in a relationship with any sort of relationship triggers you have. Um, and teaching, again, uh, women how to stay, stay present in those triggers um, instead of going off on whatever pattern that they have sort of um, trained into their brain and teaching them how to do something differently. Again, so they can have this, this intimacy and this connection and this communication and this sexual expression in a way they most want. And then it's the specific application. I think what lots of people, when they hear mindful sex, they think of the actual sexual act. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a third way that then I approach it in terms of like, how do you actually be more present in a sexual encounter? How right. do you, you know, pay attention to your five senses? How do you notice when you're distracted or worried about how your body looks or thinking about, you know, um, your child that's in the other room and you're trying to be quiet and all of these things that can distract folks. And so teaching them how to be just more present in the moment and anchoring to your five senses is, is one of the things um, is one of the ways to do it, um, but also noticing, you know, your securities that insecurities that come up and that get in the way of the type of intimate um, connection that you're looking for. And so, yeah, and teaching women what what to do in all sorts of ways. And then also specifically around sexual desire. That's one place. That's one of my specialty areas is mm -hmm. um, women in long term relationships who are struggling with low desire and teaching them, um, you know, all different reasons why that might surface and then teaching them how to apply uh, mindfulness skills and self-compassion um, to be able to, you know, change that pattern and do something different. Yeah. And I know it can be challenging to kind of change those patterns that, you know, how we have our, had our brain wired, especially yeah. like in childhood or by some of these early, maybe traumatic experiences. And so when you're faced with something like that, how can you start to rewire some of those patterns? 
Yeah. So, well, I mean, one of the things is, is just, is just knowing and accepting, you know, what you just said that we can rewire. We have what's called brain plasticity until the day we die, that we're creating new neurons and we can create new neural pathways. And basically our patterns and our triggers and our, our habits are just efficient pathways in our brains um, because our brains strive for efficiency so they don't have to, you know, they can use as little energy as possible. And, you know, that's the reason why um, New Year's resolutions don't stick so well after two mm-hmm. weeks, after you're mm-hmm. out of the excitement of it, because you're cr- trying to create a new habit. Um, and that requires a lot of energy in the brain. I help folks, you know, for, for example, um, every chapter in my book ends with um, worksheets. Um, so women can actually sit and reflect on different topics in the book and different questions I both, and it gives space to actually write in, um, and an action item to put it into action. So, you know, for the, the chapter around, um, you know, childhood messages and where I, I point to, um, you know, a lot of the research out there just to help women understand, um, you might think that you're, um, you know, that this is something uniquely wrong with you, but realize, mm-hmm. no, this is the context of society. Like, um, there's a reason why you, you know, fake orgasms, or there's a reason why you, you don't know what your pleasure is, or you, you know, you haven't masturbated, or you feel embarrassment around that, or there's a reason you felt coerced in sexual interactions before, like all of that's the bigger, you know, uh, bigger social norms and social, uh, socio-sexual norms in our society. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I, you know, at the end of that chapter, I have women, answer certain questions like what, you know, what are your earliest memories of learning about sex or what it means to be a quote unquote woman um, or what intimacy means and having, and just shining a bright light on um, what's, what's there for yourself. And, and actually one of the activities, and I've gotten feedback from several readers of the book, how much they enjoyed this. The action item around it is to go and talk, have a conversation with several other female friends and have them answer the same questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked to uh, two different readers gave me feedback. They're like, Oh my God, that was so eye opening. It didn't occur to me that people had completely different experiences around this and beliefs and, Um, I mean, so that type of um, support of other women and creating safe spaces to have these kind of conversations that we don't normally have, Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful place for us to start rewriting our sexual stories and Mm -hmm. creating a community women that we can do it in. But otherwise, just to to answer this question in a rather long way, um, um, you know, when when women are doing these journaling activities and answering these questions, um, you know, what I'm teaching them to do through this book and through mindfulness is, like I said, notice where the discomfort lives. Like, if you, does shame come up? And what's your story around that? And literally, where do you feel that in your body? You know, and often we feel shame in our solar plexus and definitely in our chest. And then we can feel it up into our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to take something that otherwise is abstract, like shame, um, but if, if we feel shame or, we, um, or embarrassment or think that we might, we often shut down and mm-hmm. just retreat. Or, or we might lash out and yell at somebody. We do stuff, though, to not stay with it because it feels so bad. Yeah. And when you can learn how to actually identify where that lives inside of you, what that feels like in detail, um, all of a sudden you take it from something that's abstract and you actually make it more tangible mm-hmm. because you can see where that is inside of you. And, and just even in the process of doing that, you've broken a pattern because you actually chose to stay present with this uncomfortable and negative messaging that you inherited from society. Um, and now you're starting to build some emotional resilience around it. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the core of my messaging is, you know, so often we're taught to have better sex lives, that we should have more pleasure and have more excitement and to move towards that. And I'm teaching women, how do you actually not just sit with, but move towards the discomfort, choose to do it as your personal growth path, see where it lives in you, actually befriend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you're in it, you start to build uh, comfort with that discomfort, which is basically what emotional resilience means. Um, yeah. And so you're training yourself to do that, whether it's around vulnerability or your needs or desire or shame, finding your voice, um, trying new things in so many, you know, so many things that we are blocked around and we don't know why. And so this process can help you get to the heart of it, mm-hmm. sit with it. And then move through it and then make choices that you didn't have before. And I think that's the epitome of empowerment, that you can, you realize you have choices that you didn't have before and you can do something differently. Absolutely. And so many people, you know, men and women both feel broken. And I think, you know, we have so many different coping mechanisms. You mentioned, you know, a few of them before how we, you know, just keep ourselves really busy, how we tune out, how we, you know, engage with drugs and alcohols to numb things. And really, if we were to stop and take a moment and be present with those feelings and allow them to be, give them permission to be there and do what they need to do. And instead of running away from them, I think, you know, it would be, people would be able to move through these things and, and not get stuck in these ways. And so I think it's really important for people to realize the people, especially who feel broken that, you know what, you're not broken. And, you know, you've adopted some of these patterns when you were young or maybe when you were older and you can develop new brain neural pathways to, to heal this stuff. And so I think it's really important for people to know that. So um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to, go even more further with Dr. Jen. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. (laughs) Yes. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Ten Da Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Ten Da Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. 
Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So welcome back, everybody. Dr. Jen, I would really love to talk about what it means to be a woman and some of the messages that we get around that. Well, and it's, it's interesting how much things have changed in the past 10 years in our society because of social media specifically. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teen girls, they're learning at an even younger age what, um, what being sexy looks like and how that gets you value from society. You literally get to gauge your worth through your attractiveness based on how many likes or comments you get on your your photos, like mm-hmm. say on Instagram that you post. What are we going to see in, in 10 years for these right. teen girls being raised with this? Um, and what that does for their psyches. So, But what the, the research found that actually what was even more problematic was the amount of time they spent scrolling through other people's feeds hmm. um, and the comparative aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, I don't know if you know the work of Lisa Damore, um, she's a psychologist, um, fantastic books, two books. They're about um, teen girls, basically. That's her specialty area and how there's such a heightened anxiety and depression in today's world. And it seems to be connected to, to social media. It also seems to be connected in some ways to less sleep because of the interruption of their phones and mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount and that they're constantly in contact with their friends. Right. You know, they also find that even though it's funny because one of the things I do is I travel around the country and I talk to college students about sexual consent mm-hmm. and I teach it through the lens of sociology, mindfulness and compassion and about mm-hmm. teaching them how to look at things differently and to, to reinvent sex basically and their approach to it and teach them skills around that. And it's funny because sometimes I'll talk to like older folks, like uh, there was an older woman recently, I think she was in her sixties and she was like, well, the teen girls today though. And she goes, the college girls, she goes, they totally have, you know, they're very sexually empowered and they totally have their voice around this. And I was like, they do not. Right. And the research repeatedly shows teen girls and college girls, as much as empowering messages are so much out there right. now for young women, which is amazing. And there are so many um, Instagram feeds and, and, you know, Twitter feeds and, and websites for girls empowerment and bodies of all sizes and shapes. There's something that does not seem to connect, I think, because we have terrible sex education in our country, that they're still not connecting to helping teen girls and, and college young women actually find their voice and know their voice, know that, that they're boundaries matter know that they them saying no is okay know that them saying yes is okay because Mm -hmm. they want pleasure for themselves Um, and knowing their body and what brings them pleasure and so the research keeps showing that this empowerment isn't really reaching into the actual sexual voice of young women Mm -hmm. um, and owning their pleasure and their bodies and their desire owning their yeses owning their noes that's just still not being taught like in a nuanced way. And I did last January I did, I was hired in um, San Diego by two moms to come in and talk to their 13 and 14 year old daughters. And there was 10 of them 
in a group. And so, you know, we dove into all of these topics and pornography and what they'd been exposed to and all different stuff. Um, and it was so interesting that I would say something about the word empowered and they would like roll their eyes. They're like, we know we're empowered. Like they had right. gotten those messages so much. But then when I talked about, I gave a sexual scenario of being pressured maybe by a, you know, a 15 year old boy or something like that. Like they just froze and they giggled because they had heard about things like that happening at a right. party, but they had, no idea what to do with it or how to handle it or how to communicate through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad. Like it's a, it's a sad, scary landscape right now for teen girls. Um, it's interesting. One of the uh, final chapters in my book, I call our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's interesting because I wrote, how do we stop passing this mad, these madness messages yeah. onto younger generations of women? I was like, I don't know if this is going to resonate with people because it, it, it feels, quote unquote, too feminist, maybe. But in the past few years, we've had a huge shift in our landscape around Me Too and, um, you know, recognizing the crisis of consent we have in our country and, and the importance of, of teaching girls and boys um, new ways of interacting. And so I'm really... I love that chapter. Like, I'm really happy I stuck to my guns and did it. The timing's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's all different things, but it's like, how do we role model these topics? Everything from body image to, you know, physical touch to, um, to sex positivity, to not passing shame or embarrassment on, passing on accurate information to our, to our kids. Because the research shows that's when they make the healthiest decisions. They delay sexual activity and make the healthiest decisions for themselves because they learn how to be critical thinkers and how to navigate every situation is different sexually. Um, And how do you navigate that situation? So, and, and how do you, how do you emphasize, you know, to teen girls, that they are beautiful, you know, on the inside and out and not emphasize their external beauty or looks too much, not ignore it, but not too much, like give them pride in themselves and the strength of their body. But also how do you emphasize all these other things, you know, what being a good student and being a good friend, volunteering or getting behind causes and using your voice in that way, like all of these things of what it means to be a full person mm-hmm. and like a full contributing meaningful person in society. Um, And so often girls learn that it's like their appearance (laughs) is the way they get that value and worth versus all of these other factors. And I think, you know, teaching parents how to, how to focus on and emphasize all of these other things and and the big picture, well-rounded teen girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very important. I think everything has changed so much, especially with around the boys, with how things have changed with consent Raising boys, I think, has taken on a new dimension because when I was a teenager, it used to be, you know, boys' sex education would be like, oh, yeah, don't get her pregnant, go forth and, you know, be fruitful, just don't have kids, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, knock them up. The wrong wrong (laughs) words. Uh, Yeah. What I'm trying to say is like, uh, go like have sex with as many people as you can, is what I'm trying to say. Just don't get them pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And so that just basically leaves young men, boys with like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like you get to right. see like in the 80s, of course, you know, this is when I was a teenager, you know, it's like we were watching movies like Revenge of the Nerds and Breakfast Club where, right. you know, like they were t- like taking advantage of drunk and passed out girls and just like yes. terrible things, like yeah. terrible, terrible, like things that are so not okay. And it's yeah. like, so how do you like 
have a conversation with your son when your background is the breakfast club and, you know, Revenge of the Nerds and this kind of stuff. And it's like, and, you know, men, I ran into this a lot with dating too. You know, like when you're meeting somebody for the first, second or third time or whatever, and you have this conversation like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with that. And then, you know, one thing leads to another, you start kissing, you know, this kind of stuff. And a lot of men, like they, they will push it as far as you let them go. And so there's like a mentality mm-hmm. around that. It's like the woman has to be the person who says no. The gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I let's know. talk a little bit about that. Which is so not sexy to be the gatekeeper either. A few years ago, I did a storytelling event called The New Narrative. And I was asked to be one of the six speakers at it. And we were all asked to share some way in that we had, there was a communication breakdown mm-hmm. that we had experienced personally and how we moved through that. And so I was like, okay, I'm in the sex field, but let me choose something around sexual communication. Mm-hmm. And then as much as I did not want to talk about this topic, all signs were pointing towards, yes, that this was the right topic to talk about. So I ended up sharing a personal consent violation I had experienced. And how we had very clearly had a conversation ahead of time and had set down boundaries and agreed and like got into details. And he totally violated that and stuck his penis inside me. And I stopped it. And then I made him talk about it. And then, and so in this talk, this 21 minute talk, I talk about all of that. I tell the story, I lead up, I say what happened, I say how we talked about it. And then I analyze it through the perspective of a sociologist and also through a lens of compassion for myself and for him. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, he was a good guy. And I'm like, and you know, and I was reflecting back on, you know, all of so many men that I've experienced from the very beginning of pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a clear communicator. I'm a sex educator. I've been doing this shit for years. I am not, I am, I am not worried about appearing slutty, you know, or something like that. And that I'm say no, but don't really mean it. Like if you're reading that in me, that's insane. And frankly, if you're making that assumptions about anybody though, you're making assumptions about someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's not okay. So I have this, uh, I did the storytelling event and they took a video of it. And so now it's out on YouTube and has lots of comments and um, some universities use it like with fraternity men Mm -hmm. to teach them around consent. And so that's the basis of the consent consent talk that I give around the country to college students. I use this video and then then talk to them from there. And Mm -hmm. it is, uh, at least me, through the lens of as a sociologist, so much of it seems to be based on, I mean, one that we have poor sex education and don't talk about this. But the other thing is, is that if you've been trained to quote unquote be a man or if you've been trained to quote unquote be a female or a woman, those come with a whole bunch of expectations of behavior right. that absolutely in, in heterosexual sexual encounters means that most heterosexual sexual encounters have some sort of coercion built in mm-hmm. because to be a quote unquote man and to show masculinity, the mainstream, there's many versions of masculinity, but there is one mainstream version that's often taught to boys that they're taught to, to not be quote unquote a pussy, you know, don't, you know, go for what you want, um, pursue what you want, take what you want, you know, don't give up, don't take a no, you know, kind of these sales techniques right. um, that folks are taught as well. And if you were raised to be female in our society and feminine, you were raised to be a good girl, to go along with what others want, to be nurturing, to not rock the boat. 
um, to not hurt someone else's feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, you put, you put those two things together and you have a lot of sexual coercion and that's not that sexual coercion and sexual assault doesn't happen in gay and lesbian relationships for sure. I mean, it happens everywhere across the board, but my specialty area specifically is this, these, uh, the heterosexual sexual encounters based on the gender roles that you've been socialized into. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we don't even realize it, you know, right. we don't, you know, I've heard from so many, actually women of all ages, I was going to say young women, but women of all ages, when they watch my video, they're like, oh my God, first of all, you stopped him. I would have just gone along with it. That was right. the theme I heard over and over again. I would have just gone along with it. It doesn't mm-hmm. even occur to them that they can stop it. And then they're like, and then you made him talk about it with you. Right. Um, and I say in the video, I, I, I felt safe though. Like if I felt unsafe, if he was being violent towards me, like if this was other context, I, I would have, you know, run away. Like that's yeah, totally, absolutely. but I did feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. And I did feel like I could use my voice in that way. You know, and then I, yeah, I present all of that in the video and then deconstruct it from that sort of masculinity, femininity perspective, and then talk about how do we start creating a new narrative around this. Um, It was something I realized that had happened over and over again, at least in terms of the pushing and the not respecting my boundaries and my communication over so many years. And I kind of hit a tipping point. It was like, I'm I'm a good communicator. (laughs) Like, I own my shit. I talk about this stuff. I talk openly about it. I'm comfortable with it. We clearly talk about it. I state my my reasons why. We get on the same page. I am good at this. And it still happens to me. That means I guarantee it's happening a ton out there Mm -hmm. to everyone else. And that's Mm -hmm. the feedback I've continued to get over Mm -hmm. and over again from women of all ages that Mm -hmm. they're just like, oh my God, you know, thank you for doing this video, talking about this gray area, you know, this gray area of pushing and coercion and misreading or misunderstanding and assumptions. Um, And I unfortunately think a lot of sexual encounters um, live in that gray area. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. 
So we're back. So Dr. Jen, I would like to talk a little bit about how we can get those messages through to our kids and kind of break some of these unhealthy patterns that our society perpetuates and kind of shift how we talk about sexuality, give them the tools that they need to have yeah. these conversations. Well, I mean, and so if you're if your kids are young, um, you know, we generally recommend that you start having age-appropriate conversations definitely by age eight. And I know that freaks out a lot of parents because they're like, they're so innocent at that age. Yeah. But you're not, you're not talking about, you're not teaching them about sexual intercourse <laughs> at that age. Um, right. But you are talking to them about body changes and gender roles mm-hmm. and, and anatomy and, and sometimes, you know, by age eight or nine, girls are starting to develop and getting their periods. Um, and so, you know, you're having those conversations and just because at that age too, since kids generally are, are more innocent, um, they're, they'll suck all that information up and they're not embarrassed about it mm-hmm. yet. They haven't learned that shame from society yet. Yes. And so when you set that stage at an early age that, hey, these are topics we talk about, this is normal. And basically, I think one of the best tools for parents is um, age-appropriate books. There's really great sex education books um, out there. And I'm forgetting the name of the author that does, it's like Roby or something like that um, on Amazon. Um, I mean, basically you can look up sex education books for kids on Amazon and read the reviews Mm -hmm. and see and get the gist of it that see ones that, you know, feel like meet your values and then read through the book yourself and then sit with your kid and read through it and Mm -hmm. let them ask questions and, um, normalize all of that, basically normalize it. And you can even say sometimes like, I don't know the answer or, yeah, I'm sometimes uncomfortable with this topic because nobody talked to me about it growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. but I love you and care about you so much. I don't want you to grow up with that same discomfort or confusion that I did. So even if this is awkward for us, sometimes let's talk about this. And then it's not just the talk, it's the ongoing talk, (laughs) you know, at least every year in age appropriate ways and checking in with what's, what's going on and, and finding books that help you, you know, through that process. And that consent is a part of that. You know, I love what a lot of teachers and parents are starting to do today that they, you know, never tell their kids that they have to hug somebody that they don't want to, because they get, if their kid doesn't want to, they give them the right to have autonomy over their own bodies and put Mm -hmm. up their own boundaries that if it doesn't feel right. And so I, I have this one friend, um, who's incredibly sex positive and she taught her kid probably, you know, starting at age four or something. And I think he's eight or nine now that when he's going to bed, um, she says, you know, hug, do you want a hug? Um, do you want a fist bump? Um, you know, do you want a high five or do you want a wave? So you give a whole range of no contact right. to full on hug. Um, and I love this story. She told the one time that her, her child, I think it was one of the first times that he's like, um, she's like, you know, do you want a hug? And he was like, no. And like her heart's broken, you know, as a mom, cause she wants to hug her kid, but she was it's about him and teaching him to, to know his needs and know that he has a right to putting up boundaries. And she yeah. said, okay, what do you want? He goes, oh, just a high five. And then they high five and he starts to walk away. And then he turns back. He goes, I changed my mind. I want a hug. Oh. And, you know, he came running towards oh. her um, and gives her a big hug. But like, she let him choose that. And right. can you imagine if that's the norm? That yeah. means, and then, and then if you start talking to kids about sex education and they're getting decent sex education and normalizing all of this in these conversations, you put those two things together, mm-hmm. you're not going to have 
you know, a 16 year old girl who's at a party and, you know, maybe had a drink or something who then is feeling pressured into a blowjob or something because that's expected of her. She actually knows that, do I want to do this? Am I curious about this? Am I interested in this? Am I feeling pressured in this? Like, what do I want to do here? Like she has those skills. She has that that neuro wiring, mm-hmm. you know, to have that awareness. And likewise, then um, boys, I mean, I don't mean to pit boys against girls, but statistically we do know, unfortunately, that seems to be how a lot of the sexual coercion and sexual assault happens. Um, but also teaching, you know, boys and young men, like they have that awareness around themselves and they're taught to have it around other people. And mm-hmm. then of course you never make somebody do something that they don't want to do with their body. Like that's just inappropriate. That's just right. wrong. That's just right. rude. You know, like yeah. that should be the basis, like something as matter of fact as that. Mm-hmm. But then in age appropriate ways, talking to your kids about, you know, what's it feel like if somebody doesn't like you, what's rejection feel like and right. using these same emotional somatic uh, awareness skills where do you locate that inside of you Mm -hmm. um and and what's that feel like and and you know what can you do differently when you feel that way instead of hitting the person you know or yelling at them or Mm -hmm. or thinking you're worthless Mm -hmm. um and so teaching them what rejection feels like and what hurt feelings feels like or what shame feels like and then how they can process that mm-hmm. and what they can do in a healthy way with that. And then, you know, and then they're getting all of these skills they need to handle the complexity of sexual interactions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah, we need a whole lot more of that. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. So it's, it's really great that we're having these conversations because I think parents do need support in, oh, you know, God, figuring out that this is a new way, you know, it's like yeah. things have changed so much and yeah. it's great because we're evolving, you know, which is, which is, we need to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it brings uh-huh. so much more complexity that wasn't there for parents mm-hmm. before. And so, and you know, for parents to be vulnerable around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think also starting in the place with your kids of just being like, you know, pornography, if you're like, all right, I need to talk to my 12 year old about pornography, you Mm -hmm. know, be like, Hey, have you seen anything in school? Does anybody talk about this? Do you know what pornography is or means? And, you know, start with the place of asking questions and what they've seen or heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't have to out any of their friends, but like, so you can get sort of a sense of um, where they are, in terms of their emotional development and their intellectual understanding of these topics or where Mm -hmm. they're not, you Mm -hmm. know? So again, so you can meet them where they are. Yeah. That's so important for sure. Let's see. What else do I want to talk about? I actually wanted to talk to you about masturbation because you had participated in a documentary about that which i'm actually curious is that available like can people watch it online can you uh yeah it's uh, still on netflix is or not netflix oh i wish it was on netflix they try it's still on amazon folks can get it on there and so it's called sticky a self-love story yeah um and it's 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 funny it's educational it it looks at masturbation through the lens of history different religions medical views, um, social views, um, um, pop culture and media representations. Mm-hmm. And so the documentary is done in a way that it's sh- constantly showing like media clips. So it's very entertaining and very engaging, mm-hmm. um, but also does a lot to show like, how did we end up with such shame around masturbation like we mm-hmm. have today? Mm-hmm. Uh, in society that's so much, why, why, do we, why did we have a surgeon general in the 90s that was fired for recommending that um, teenagers masturbate 
as a way, as a path to avoiding STIs and pregnancy. And was yeah. actually fired for saying that. And it's like, that's such great advice. <laughs> it was she, yeah, it was Jocelyn Elders, actually. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's just matter of fact. You yeah. know, that's just um, practical sex education. And I'm like, of all things, like, geez, like, nobody's getting hurt. But I get, we've got lots of, you know, religious beliefs against it. And this just, um, and this weird, really kind of a weird relationship to pleasure. Um, in American society, yeah. you know, because we plaster it everywhere. We use it to sell everything in an advertising, but our own like ownership of pleasure is almost like that's a bad thing. It's hedonistic, mm-hmm. especially for women. And I think mm-hmm. particularly for moms, yeah. because they are so like, if you take time for yourself, it, while we could call that self-nurturing, it's called selfish instead, you know? Right. And so we don't have a good balance around that. I think particularly... For women, and we are taught probably because so much emphasis is put on our weight and our appearance Mm -hmm. as women, um, that then we have this sort of bastardized relationship to pleasure through food also. Oh, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and of cheating and the guilt of having that piece of chocolate cake and, oh, but somebody broke up with me and um, I deserve it. I'm going to eat a whole thing of Ben and Jerry's tonight. You know, like we have these weird... Um, yeah. And that then so many young women too, and college women to be able to pursue sexual pleasure that they might want, they have to get drunk first to do it, you right. know, to give themselves permission to do it or to not feel uncomfortable around it. So it's, um, it's weird. We're really backwards around a lot of that stuff. We a lot really are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we so are. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about pleasure and moms because yeah, there's, there's definitely some things we can unpack there. So we'll be right back. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Hi, my name is Cass Thomas, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my friend Monish Malotra for our show Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. We'll be talking about abuse, exclusion, relationship, addictions, possibilities, LGBTQI, and more. Is it time to create the life you truly desire? Join us, Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs, every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This show can change your life. It's changing ours. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So welcome back, everybody. So, Dr. Jen, what I would love to talk about right now is 
What I have found is parents, they often will tell me, oh, yeah, I can talk to my kids about sex and this kind of thing. Of course, when we get into the nuances, there's a whole other story. <laughs> and on top of that, add the subject of pleasure and like it's a whole nother ball of wax entirely like the idea of talking to their kids about pleasure or masturbation is one of the hardest things i think for parents to do i always like to tell parents if they realize they have some sticking points in in their ability to talk to their kids and educate their kids around any aspects of uh, sexual intimacy to and, and circling back to a conversation we had at the beginning of this interview about like journaling and reflecting back. Um, and so journaling is such a powerful activity to do. And if you know, you could shred it afterwards or burn it if you're afraid somebody's going to read it. But and it is important to write and not type because there's something about that how that you know accesses our brain mm -hmm. and using writing as a catharsis and as a stream of consciousness um, and the pace you have to go when you're handwriting something. But for you know, in your case, we were talking about moms to, to actually write down, like, how do I feel about pleasure? <laughs> Just start in that place. What's pleasure mm -hmm. mean to me? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to me experience pleasure? What are the ways that I experience pleasure? Um, what, does, what does masturbation mean to me? Mm -hmm. um, and then also notice in this, you know, mindful way, like, where do I feel that inside of me? Where am I feel if I'm feeling like, what am, am I feeling embarrassed right now? You're just writing on this topic. Am I feeling ashamed? Am I feeling this is inappropriate? Um, notice all of that inside of you and like, write it all down, do a 20 minute exercise where it's just a stream of consciousness writing any, and maybe you'll end up crying at some point, like who yeah. knows, right. you know, but like, Give it the space, shine a light on it, see what's there um, so that you can start to get to the heart of it. Because, you know, often when folks do things like this, they're all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, I totally know where this came from. That comment that my sister, older sister made to me that one time, like I still carry that shame with me or that discomfort mm -hmm. with me or something, which is get clear what's going on for you and, and give yourself the space to explore it and go into it. And then start asking yourself the questions of like, okay, I, I don't want to pass this on. To, do I want to pass this on to my kids? Right. How could I do something differently? Mm -hmm. um, what messages do I want them to have? Even consider, I mean, depending on the age of your kids, even consider then sharing some of this with them. Mm -hmm. If you're like, hey, I realize that I haven't talked to you about this topic because I still carry embarrassment or shame from my childhood about it. And, and you can go into details if it seems appropriate, depends on what the topic is and the age of your kid, yep. um, how much you want to self-disclose. But like being vulnerable with your kids in that way, with your struggles, I think that's really powerful in these ways because mm -hmm. they're going to trust you more. Yep. You're being honest with them. Mm -hmm. You're not just sort of towing the party line of what you're supposed to say as a parent right. in sex education. You know, explore that and, and find, you know, what is your relationship to pleasure? What, you know, what does it mean to you? What are, what are, what are the top five ways you experience pleasure? Mm -hmm. You've been doing an activity on that and then giving yourself permission to choose more of that. Because what I seem to find with a lot of women in particular, they run themselves into the ground. Like they have so many priorities and kids and work and house. And there's just so many honest, unfair expectations put on what it is to be a mom in today's society and a good mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. um, and so what often happens is that then moms are run into the ground and then they snap in some way. And then you're more likely than to go to an extreme behavior. 
you know, of that may be pleasurable or taking care of yourself, but it chose you instead of you choosing it, you right. know, because you hit a, a tipping point. And so what I tell folks is like, how, how do you, how do you make sure you're always choosing self-nurturing? How every day do something, yeah, frankly, even if it takes one minute, cause that's all that you can do or five minutes, but something that's just for you about you taking care of you, that mm-hmm. feels good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every day building that in. And so you could start to change your relationship to self-nurturing. Um, you could start changing your relationship to pleasure in that way as well. Yeah. And when it comes to talking with pleasure around kids, you know, two kids, I think if parents, if your kids happen to be younger, um, I think starting out on subjects that are completely not sexual, it's like, oh, this fabric feels amazing. You know, it's like, you know, things like that. Like, oh, this flower, these roses just smell divine. This is, these are sensual pleasures that we can, we can teach our kids about. Oh, we stopped and we looked at the rainbow. How beautiful, you know, it's like. What what colors do you see in that? You know, mm -hmm. and you're, you're teaching them mindfulness and presence through appreciation of their senses and their environment. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful lesson to model for your children Mm -hmm. Um, and something that they hopefully then, right, they then have language of how to talk about these things. You've you've taught them how to stop and stay present and enjoy something. And yeah, so you're giving them skills and awareness and languaging uh, Mm -hmm. for for moving forward, you know, when they do become uh, more sensual, sexual creatures. And if you've been having this conversation, you know, before they become you know, teenagers become sexual, then when it, when they go into those years and start developing interest and, you know, sexuality and this kind of thing, then it becomes easier to move into that conversation of having, you know, like sex is about mutual pleasure and it's not about playing, pleasing the boy, you know, it's not, you know, it's like, well, he gets the blowjob, but what about you? What do you get? You know? And exactly. And you know, what and that balance. Yeah. That balance of then knowing your pleasure and that you have a right to it, but also how do you stand in someone else's shoes? What's, what's pleasurable to them? How do you learn that about that other Mm -hmm. person? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you make sure you're, you're balancing their pleasure and your pleasure? Uh, Right. Those level of nuanced conversations, like, frankly, most adults never have those conversations in their own sex lives, uh, let alone with their kids and teaching them those skills. It's so true. I mean, one of the things in like on my website or in my promotional materials for the kids is, you know, one of the things I say is like, you know, if we can't have this conversation with our intimate partner, how can we ever hope to have these conversations with our children? I mean, like talk about awkward and hard it's like if you can't even have this conversation with your lover you know it's like how can you really talk about this with your child and you know i think with the whole pleasure conversation that it's really an important conversation to have and it's something that we neglect and as women a lot of us we neglect our own own pleasure and so of course it's hard for us to talk about that and so i think taking the time to give ourselves self-love and explore our bodies and give pleasure. And I think another important piece too is when we get with a partner, you know, for the first time or, you know, whatever, how many times later down the road, you know, when we have taken the time to explore our own bodies and give ourselves pleasure, then we can help guide a partner and how to please us too. And so Mm -hmm. having that understanding of how our own bodies work is, you know, is, is amazing because, 
here we are, you know, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was hoping, you know, or, or in my 20s, you know, it's like you hope you find a lover who is skilled enough to right. give you pleasure. You know, it's like your pleasure, your is like completely on this other person instead yep. of taking personal responsibility for your own yeah. orgasms. Which is a lot of pressure on someone else and that they should be able to read your mind. Yeah. You know? So yeah, to know your body, to communicate that to someone else, to be comfortable enough to explore that with someone else and to give feedback. I mean, that's, that's good lovemaking there. Um, yeah. But it requires um, a lot of vulnerability and authenticity mm-hmm. um, and self-exploration. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, yeah, the teen years are a perfect time for self-exploration. You get to learn your own body. You get to explore your own sexuality without necessarily the complication of a partner yeah. and having to worry about some of these other things. So, yeah, yeah it's been amazing having this hey, conversation with you. Yeah. I love just talking about this stuff. It's so fun. Likewise, this has been a great journey. <laughs> yes. So I want to make sure that we talk about your book. And then I know also that you have a newsletter that you send out. and. Um, you know, when people sign up, they get a little something from you. So I want to talk about those things before we wrap up today. And I am going to put um, the links to all this stuff on the website on Holistic Sex Ed Radio. So people can just hop on over to your site and get all those goodies. Yeah. So, I mean, my book, if folks are interested, um, it's called From Madness to Mindfulness, Reinventing Sex for Women. Um, And I've been hearing from a lot of folks too, like not only do they like it for themselves um, and for their partners, uh, to read, but uh, a lot of folks have started giving it as gifts for like uh, bridal showers and um, things like that. Yeah, um, for women as a gift and a part of a little care package. So I think that's such a cool idea. Otherwise, I have if folks uh, go to my website, drjensden.com, that's D R J E N N S D E N.com, um, they can sign up for my newsletter, which I send out like once a month, maybe two times a month. And they'll also get a free mini e-course where you learn um, seven tips for more mindful sex and looking at mindful sex through the lens of different aspects. Part of the, uh, some of the topics I was talking about um, in this podcast um, and giving folks then like, you know, a little information and then a practical skill of putting uh, mindfulness into action in terms of that aspect of their sex life or intimacy or, or body image. Also, if folks are interested, I do have a podcast called Sex Talk with Clinton, the doc. Um, It's available on podcasting apps and uh, with a local, so I live in San Diego, and with a local radio personality um, here, Clint August. And so he he brings a very typical male perspective. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He's a 50-year-old, you know, dad, um, you know, married with two teen sons and all the type of stuff he asks um, are very typical guy questions. And so I get to answer them through the lens of sociology and feminism and mindfulness and compassion. And uh, we laugh a lot and sometimes I yell at him but most of the time <laughs> we laugh and have good conversations <laughs> nice uh, I'll definitely have to check out your uh, your show <laughs> yes that's great well it's been a oh, real pleasure yes one other thing just if folks were interested because I mentioned that consent video that I have and um, use it as a tool with their teenagers or college students also as, a, great. as an educational tool yeah actually what I'll do is I'll pull that link and I'll put that right on the website too. Okay, I'm just going to make a note awesome. for that Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.